Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, June 26th, 2022. We've got another great show for you this week. We've got members of the media, academia, and financial services standing by as we analyze all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. kick things off and look at what's happening with inflation and how it's impacting the daily lives of American workers. Joining me on the line, she is from Daily Pay, Miss Jeannie Walton. Jeannie, so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this and this is a survey you all did at Daily Pay along with our friends at Funding Our Future. And and this couldn't come in a more uh, timely uh, you know, matter in terms of inflation and how it's impacting American workers because we're all feeling it. High high gas prices, food prices, supply chain disruptions. It is it is just a difficult time. Oh, absolutely, and it's only getting worse. It's reaching more and more Americans, regardless of how much money you make. It's shocking to see the impact that this is having on everybody in america right now and and we're getting ready to go out on fourth of july independence day is right around the corner i think it falls on a monday this week and many americans getting ready to hit the road for travel um or even choosing to fly we've got we're at record high gas prices and this is only compounding employee financial woes oh absolutely and you know it's, it's really interesting because we've got this kind of bifurcated impact that's happening. You've got two, two and a half years of pent up travel interest from people that did not travel during COVID and are just wanting to get out, see friends, family, take on all those missed adventures that they had just been planning before COVID hit. Well, simultaneously, you are challenged with high prices everywhere from airline tickets to gas prices, making it really difficult to find a way to economically travel and celebrate all the things that you missed in your life. So this is going to be a time where we're expecting to see travel still happen, but possibly in a little less dynamic way than it had in the past. You know, navigating these high costs obviously a challenge. I mean, it's really hard to ask for a raise from an employer and say, hey, I need more money just because the cost of living is going up. How, among the survey, how are employees, workers dealing with these these challenges? I mean, it, it can't be easy, especially if you've got a family, if you've got children, pets, a wife, a husband, a spouse, a partner. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see the survey results, and I don't think surprising for anybody in your network or audience to appreciate. But based on the survey, we saw that um, the hourly workers are struggling most 
Mm-hmm. 49% of them with groceries. They're saying that these are expenses that they just are losing control of managing effectively for them and their families. Gas is right behind at 48%, with utilities not too far behind that, especially if you've got uh, if you've got people in the household that need to have air conditioning or in areas that you might need to have heat, any type of utility challenge is, is a big deal at home. And then last but not least, paying rent and mortgage. Mm. People are struggling just to stay in the homes that they have and maintain, you know, the home and, and cost of living standard that they've been used to. So going to employers is helpful, but a lot of employers during the pandemic took up wages as high as they could. So we're seeing employers now looking for unique and differentiated ways to help their employees try and solve these battles and overcome these struggles. And let's talk a little bit about that because, as you said, this could not be a more important time for employee benefits. And we're talking about things like retirement plans, health and wellness benefits, and even payday loans. How are employers supporting their workers during this difficult time? Yeah, well, you know, based on the survey, and you'll see these in the results too, 22% of hourly workers have said that they've had to take out a payday loan this year Mm. to try and manage the, you know, just challenging prices increases everywhere. Nearly one third of those aged 18 to 34. So, The need for funds in between paychecks to stay fluid and to stay afloat is real. As a result, employers are looking to do everything they can to help their employees avoid predatory payday loans. They're improving and introducing new benefits, things like what we do at Daily Pay, which is very simply the ability to access money that you've earned before your company scheduled payday so that you can avoid payday loans, late fees, overdraft fees, high interest finance charges. But they're not stopping there. They're also looking at implementing 0% loans that are given to you by the company. They're introducing new benefits that would offset the need for loans, like transportation credits, free lunches at the office, even pet stipends for pet care for all those people that got (laughs) dogs and cats during COVID and now have to leave them at home to return to work. Employers are really stepping up to the challenge, which is nice to see. Yeah, and I'm actually, as we're chatting, I'm looking at my two cats looking lovingly up at me and trying to remind me that it's time to eat. Uh, and then, by the way, they know that word. How does how does a payday loan – well, this is kind of off topic, but how does a payday loan work? I know that Daily Pay uses a lot of technology that can save employees a lot of money in terms of late fees and overdraft fees and – and but how how does it work? Is it is it hard to do? Is it just a matter of point click, enter a few boxes, and you're good to yeah. go? Sorry. Yeah. So I think yeah. Uh, sure. The the first thing is Daily Pay is not alone. So what's cool about Daily Pay, and I think revolutionary, is um, Daily Pay simply makes money that you've earned available to you as you earn it. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you know if you work at uh, any company that we work with, Target, Kroger, Dollar Tree, uh, Big Lots, when after you're done working a shift, you can log into Daily Pay and it will show you how much money you've earned. This is money that the company owes to you. If you quit your job tomorrow, they'd have to write you a check. You've already worked those hours. You already, you've already earned it, but typically wouldn't get paid until that Friday or the following Friday. 
So you can see how much you've earned. And what's very interesting is when you consider the fact that 75% of hourly workers have struggled to pay expenses this year just in general, sometimes understanding how much money you have available to you is what you need to make better decisions or different decisions around money management. So you log in and you see, hey, I made $183 today. Then on Wednesday, when an unexpected increase in your water bill comes out or when an unexpected expense happens, like your car battery dies because the heat's too high and payday's not for a while, you just press a button and you say, I'd like to get $57.10 out, move it to whatever debit card or bank account you want to. And then you can take care of those Mm -hmm. unexpected expenses without having to skip another bill and get hit with a late fee or without having to take an actual loan that has a very high interest rate attached to it. Then when payday comes, you get the rest of your pay, less whatever you took out early, and everybody just moves on with their day. And what we've seen in prior research is on average, that saving the working American $1,200 a year that they would normally pay in in all of these fees and loans. So with $1,200 more back in your pocket, that might buy you, I don't know, another gallon of gas these days maybe. (laughs) Probably. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, And and thank you for properly characterizing, and my apologies for mischaracterizing the service. Um, Let me me go back to something, and I think just my own – sense for this and and why I think it's in the best interest um, for employers to think about things like that is that when you have financial stress, uh, Jeannie, you bring it with you everywhere. That that financial stress becomes mental mental stress and that follows you everywhere. It impacts your productivity, impacts your family life. So it really is in the best interest of the employer to make sure that they're satisfying and helping their employees, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you when you think about it, I, I saw a statistic, not from us, uh, recently that said 87% of people in the workplace now are stressed or concerned about money. And that's a very high number. And it does become all-consuming. And therefore, if you're on the front lines, it impacts customer service. It also will cause you to leave a job a lot faster Maybe you're trying to pick up a second job to make ends meet. Maybe you just found somebody else that will give you a little more from pay or benefit and you switch jobs, which, you know, is, is really challenging for employers to wrap their arms around. And this, you know, what daily pay does is it gives you financial transparency. And interestingly, before daily pay, No hourly worker was able to have financial transparency, you know, with shift differentials and with overtime and, you know, different rates based on if you work for a franchise, different locations that you might be sent to. You generally know what your paycheck would be, but who knows? Is it going to be $610 or $714? You kind of always had financial stress until your paycheck came in and had to balance that. Now you can see exactly how much you made. Employers love it. Because employees that use daily pay and have that transparency will stay up to 72% longer in some industries when they can see this. Also, they'll pick up extra shifts. Oh, hey, I only made 610. I want to put the down payment on my daughter's summer camp. I need an extra $100 to do that. I'll pick up an extra shift tomorrow. So it actually positively impacts productivity too. And then in general, it helps to reduce that stress and 
So the customer service is better, the brand impact for the business is better, and it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, and and uh, you know now employees or workers have a choice. Offering this as a benefit, a supplemental benefit to what we already discussed, the retirement benefit, the healthcare benefit, just puts you in the check the box in your favor versus somebody else. I mean, you mentioned some of the, the, the pet stipends and things like that, but this is really kind of put you, maybe could put you over the top with some of your potential candidates. Oh, absolutely. And we see that people that use daily pay as a recruiting tool will fill their open roles up to 50% faster, which we love. But what's also great about it is when people start using daily pay, there's a lot of information sharing being done with the companies that employ them. So we work through an employer to offer this service to the employee because the employer knows, yes, you did work eight hours. Yes, this was the rate that you made every hour. So we for sure have validated data when we show them what their daily pay balance is. But what we also see behind the scenes, which I really love, especially if you're looking at retirement, saving for the future, is we can see who is ready to start saving. And we do encourage that people save as they earn. So instead of best intentions gone wrong where, you know, you know on Friday when you get your paycheck, you're going to put $100 in your savings account. And wouldn't you know on Friday when you get your paycheck, that $100 is already committed and maybe a few times over. As you're earning money, daily pay gives you the opportunity to then move that into a savings account. So it gets you to start saving as you work. We combine that with information back to the employer about, hey, here are the employees that are saving. They can then look and see, well, we've got a 401k program. Are they involved in it or not? Maybe if there's a 401k match, it's an opportunity to sit down with employees and say, Hey, David, I see that you're saving $100 a month with daily pay, but nothing in your retirement account. If you kept 50 in daily pay to have it liquid, you put the other 50 towards the 401k, we'll match it. Your $100 turns into 150 You know, Again, that's more successes for everyone involved. So if you're a consumer, you're a worker uh, today, and your company does not offer this, what can you do? Uh, can you go to the HR benefits department and suggest this? Um, what's the what's the right protocol? Because I bet you a lot of people out there who are challenged, uh, like all of us, and pay pay bills to, to deal with all these rising prices and to live a, a modest life may have interest. And if not, if the company they work for, the organization they work for, doesn't use this service, how do they how do they who, to whom do they bring this up? Yeah, absolutely. So they can speak to their HR and their benefits person. They can reach out to us at dailypay.com and say, hey, I work at this company. I'd love it if you could reach out to them and ask them to offer this benefit. The cool thing is Daily Pay is free for businesses to offer. We don't charge anything to get a company up and running with Daily Pay. And the way we've designed the system with our integrations, there's no change to a company's business process. So that means, you know, you don't need to hire more people. You don't need to redirect resources from other initiatives. It's fairly, you know, seamless and easy to get this going, which also makes it you know, a, a great solution for everyone involved. And I would imagine it integrates with just about every payroll system under the on the on the planet. 
Yeah, we've got 6,000-something <laughs> integration points last time I counted, and I know it's probably higher than that right now, including partnerships with some bank organizations like PNC with their Earned It program. So, you know, it's, it's, we're out there. We're, we're, we're trying to get everywhere. But if you do work for a company that doesn't offer daily pay yet, just ask your company or, or reach out to us, and we'll ask for you. Well, Jeannie, we're going to have to leave it there. Really, really important, great conversation, and, and let's hope that, we see falling gas prices and falling food prices in the near term. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having, him back, having you back, I should say, on the program again very soon. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Hopefully now you're interested in investing in stocks, which we at The Motley Fool believe is the single best way for folks like you and me to gain what could be truly life-changing wealth. That's why today we've got a special offer for new members. Since the service started, our average stock pick has returned over 600%, and that's over four times the return of the S&P 500. Don't regret not taking action right now. Just enter your email to get started. Back. And now we're going to catch up on what's happening on Capitol Hill. And joining me now, he is one half of the Legal Eagles, but you also know him as David Levine. He's a principal with Groom Law Group, an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. David, thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Jeff, it's great to be here as always, and I hope everybody is having a wonderful weekend. Yeah, and, and we're coming up on Independence Day, one of my favorite holidays. Um, but David, I think unless we spoke with both you and Kevin and, and you um, several weeks ago, there were some bills moving their way through uh, committees, and I know we wanted to catch up with you on 
kind of what's happening on Capitol Hill because I think there has been some movement afoot to kind of uh, pass these bills but also incorporate them perhaps into other bills. Absolutely, Jeff. So as Kevin and I have talked about many times in the past, the the making of legislation is not always a pretty process. And there's lots of pieces here. There is the messaging legislation where someone says, I want this or here's an idea. And then there's sort of the legislation that starts to get legs because it gets maybe Democrat and Republican support. And then there's the question of jurisdiction. And that's kind of where we've been recently. Obviously, Secure 2.0 passed out of the House of Representatives a while back now, it feels like. And instead, we've been waiting to see what's the Senate going to do. And the Senate, uh, we, we, had, we had Senate, the Help Education, Labor and Pensions Committee, the Help Committee passed its portion of Secure 2.0. And the names, there's lots of all different names, but it all rolls up into Secure 2.0. The idea is it passed its provisions that are in its jurisdiction because each committee has different authority. And this week, the Senate Finance Committee picked up its portion and moved forward on a unanimous basis, the the EARN Act. Again, it's all going to roll into Secure 2.0. So if you see all these names, it's fine to totally like say, well, which was, what, is the, what, is, what is Rise and Shine? What is EARN? But underneath it all, it all is part of the Secure 2.0 structure. So this week, Senate Finance finished up with its portion of Secure 2.0, unanimous, as I said. And now we got to start stitching things together, because once the committees have acted, that doesn't enact a bill. It's like that old thing we probably all saw on TV as kids, how a bill becomes a yeah, law. Or yeah, for, those who are, for those who are younger, those who watch it on the internet in some other form. But uh, the idea is now they sort of stitch these different bills together, and the question is, how do they get enacted? Well, there's a couple pieces. Number one, what the Senate has put together, if you push everything together, is a little different than what the House of Representatives has put together. We can get into the weeds, but the key is they all want to get to something. But there's differences that they'll talk to each other. There's ways you can do things, and I think we've talked about it before. You can do formal conferences between the House and Senate, or there could be a lot of discussion behind the scenes such that, hey, if the Senate passes this, the House will be on board, and then the House will just vote to pass the Senate version, or they do some tweaks. That's kind of the political process here. So where, so where do we go? Well, they'll reach agreement on language at some point here. And you might say, well, is that great? Is it going to pass in the next week or two? No. The Senate, we are in an election year. The House is an election year, certainly. We, there is limited so-called legislative calendar time before the election because people are in their home districts running for office. So what we're likely to see is a lot of working out of what do they think that the Common Core sort of end secure 2.0 will be. And then what we'll see is at some point the legislation will move forward. Some people say, well, we get a vote on Secure 2.0. Well, it's pretty unlikely that you'll get a perfectly clean separate vote on Secure mm-hmm. 2.0 at this point. Like sometimes you'll just say, here's a lot, here's two bills. We vote, the president signs, great. But knowing how things in D.C. often kind of get sort of gummed up a bit, what a lot of people are thinking, and anybody who says this, we're all sort of prognosticating, but it's very likely that if this bill is going to move, they'll get it all together 
And at the end of the year, when they do sort of in the lame duck, sort of some omnibus, sort of like big bundled spending bills, they'll wrap it all together into a bigger bill, kind of the way Secure was back at the end of 2019. And it will become a section. It'll still be called Secure 2.0 or viewed as Secure 2.0. But it'll be part of a bigger bill and gets passed at some point and signed by the president. So realistically... There's a real chance that it'll be end of the year at best before this actually gets enacted. And there's always the chance, as Jeff, you know, it kept Kevin and me in business for so long, for, for that Secure 2.0 will take longer because Secure 1.0 took, if you take pieces of it, seven years. Yeah. I don't think it will take that long here. But at the same time, it's very possible during that time you, that, you will, that you will see something towards the end of the year in the so-called lane dock after the elections. David, when or did they already do the uh, the bill scoring, which I think is how they assess the the cost of potential legislation, or does that get done when it goes to the full Senate or it gets into the full House? There already is some scoring done, but of course, as bills change, scoring changes, mm-hmm. so it's always a bit of a moving target. But like, if you take, for instance, what Senate Finance did. In the Senate Finance Bill, there is scoring. I believe it was the Finance Bill. Uh, like I saw a scoring chart. I want to make sure I'm not thinking of a long, wrong, wrong different legislation, Jeff. But, but where they go through, and that's why you have things like revenue raisers and about how catch-up contributions have to be roffed and all these other things that are out there at this point. So where this bill finally lands in terms of cost, we shall see that there are revenue raisers baked into it. At this point, folks, are, that's one of the things you haven't heard much complaining about or concern about, which is the actual costs of, of what this is likely to be, which in the scheme of things, it's money. But in the scheme of federal budgeting, it's not gigantic. But we're going to have to see if, you know, depending where the world goes in the next six months, how people view that. One thing I'd love to note is there's a whole number of interesting dynamic right now is that. Inflation, obviously, is front and center in the news. Mm -hmm. But one of the interesting things is the tax receipts for last year have been off the charts increase in terms of percentage percentage growth in terms of how much the federal government's bringing in. So there's a big belief that, of course, for 2022, given how the markets are performed, some of that outperformance is not likely to return again. But we'll have to see. But that all factors into the f- wonderful sausage making that is our budgetary <laughs> process, and and let's not forget just to remind people of the process. So, I, and and you made a good reference to Schoolhouse Rock, which is what I grew up with, and I'm just a bill animal, right? That's what I think what you were referring to. But the president, exactly. the president has to sign a bill into law. So the, I guess the traditional in the constitutional way it, the bill is supposed to originate in the house of representatives the senate does its thing right comes together and then they send it to the president and the president can veto the bill but two-thirds uh two-thirds can override, can override it right in the senate it can override the bill is that correct uh, yeah i think i think it's house and senate, house senate. Funny. I, i'm going to be be perfectly honest I, I always have to remember, how do you override a, a, a veto? Because it doesn't happen that often. No, but, it yeah, doesn't. But, 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 but that's the basic. But I, I, know our, I know my fellow Eagle, Mr. Walsh, actually has joined us. So he may choose to remain silent or and exercise his constitutional rights, or he may have one final comment as we close ourselves out. 
Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, I think you're – oh, there he is. Kevin, wow. Yeah, I was I was just going to comment that I, I think when you've got the same party controlling the House and the Senate, the odds of a, of a veto are, are, are fairly low here. Um, yes. Should this thing clear both chambers? Well, that's 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 a you you know you were here for a while. I, I didn't see you, Kevin, so I apologize for not announcing you. But um, you know, you always make poignant comments, guys. We're going to leave it there. Really appreciate you stopping by. Really important um, information, and let's hope that things move quicker and sooner rather than later. Gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we look forward to having you back on the program next week. Thank you so much, Kevin. You want to say goodbye, or do you want me to say it? Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, listeners. (laughs) All right, guys. Take care. (laughs) And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives? Check out our latest content. We'll visit our website and, of course, our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.